You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hello, Asbury. I shall begin our time together with a story of a snowy December day in Wilmore, Kentucky, 2009. A young boy is out playing in the snow. And if you believe you know who that boy is, you're wrong. For I am that boy. Anyways, I will explain the importance of this monumental day. Well, on that day, I was building a snowman. And you all know the steps of building a snowman. You uh, build the big base, and then the middle, and then the head at the top. Um, Well, I had pushed all the snow down, and it was like kind of by a hill. So I pushed the base down, and it was really, really big and I wanted to get it back on the top of the hill. I was trying to get the ball at the top of the hill, but I was not strong enough to do so. And so I began to cry. You know, just a really sad sight. But eight-year-old Andrew, in desperation, he turned to prayer for help. So I called upon the name of Jesus to give me strength, and like Samson, I moved it an inch. In excitement, I ran back into my house and immediately told my mother uh, what I had done and probably started eating or something because I forgot about the snowman and stayed inside. But the point of this story is that I was not strong enough to move the base, uh, but God was. Uh, This year, I oftentimes feel like I'm pushing another snowman. Uh, I've been tired, I've been in despair, and there have been many times I've missed Jesus. And those are the words that have defined me uh, these these past weeks. I felt hurt, and I felt like I have failed both as a student and as a follower of Christ. Uh, I have been comforted only by knowing that my weakness can show his strength. And weakness is something I'm very afraid our church community sometimes loses. And I believe this loss is now showing in the ways that we treat each other and those outside our community. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer to everyone. Uh, This verse is written by the Apostle Paul directly to the church at Colossians, a church under attack by false teachers. When we speak, the world sees Christ speaking, for good and evil. When we act kindly and use considerate and compassionate rhetoric with one another, we honor God, and in turn, He protects us from any accusation the accuser can throw at us, even at our lowest points. Titus 2, 7 through 8 says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that all those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. My friends, uh, we must be reminded of the reasons we need humility. Now, I know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth, so that you, a mere human being, pass judgment onto them and yet do the same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment, or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? If we share the gospel by our own righteousness, we are not only doomed to fail, but doomed to misrepresent Christ. I love the church, and I believe in Christian morality with my whole heart. But my friends, if we ever look down on others or believe we are in any way superior, then we must repent. We are broken, 
And if we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are not, then the devil has already carved a stronghold into the church. We cannot look down on other people. It is wrong. And we must be extraordinarily humble in our interactions with everybody. I understand that the world is a broken place. And since the fall, it has always been a broken place. But are we going to sit around and complain while shaming the world? That accomplishes nothing but making enemies. Philippians 2, 14 through 15 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among the stars in the sky. We can heal the world not by coerced conversion, but by showing our light towards others. I see this light all the time here, in the laughter of my friends, in the praise we give to God together when we sing. What we have here is good, and I see it in front of me right now. Let us show the world how much love is in our hearts. Gentleness and humility are the hammer and anvil of God's kingdom. Our acts of love help build the kingdom, walking with God. Pride in our own strength bring hubris. Let us serve all people no matter who they are or what they believe in. If there is a group of people you cannot imagine washing in their feet, please pray about that, because that is a problem. Galatians 5, through 23 says, But the fruit of the spirits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice how none of those attributes described by the fruit are in any way, shape, or form threatening. They are entirely peaceful. And if your fruit you bear often comes in a threatening form, then my friends, it's time for the taste test. Our weakness is what shows the strength. It's our simple acts of obedience and love that drives back the darkness. Proverbs 5, 15 through 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. God honors and loves humility. He protects and provides for those who are meek. He is not a big fan of the proud. Let us ask the Spirit to guide us into the world and to discern our actions. Our own wisdom and strength will fail, no matter how strong or wise we think we are. The Spirit and the gifts come from God. Our strength is not good enough for the world anyway. We will lose on our own. Without God, we will lose. Let us look to the example of Simon the sorcerer from Acts 8, verses 9 through 13. Now for some time there was a man named Simon who had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the power of God. They followed him, and he amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When we go into the world with our own strength, we are like Simon the sorcerer. But we go into the world with the power of the Spirit, we are like Philip. Romans 8 through 14 says, For all those being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And let us look to the example of Jesus, who the Spirit led him into the wilderness in Matthew 4.1. Let's look at the priorities that Jesus had on earth. Jesus could have been angry at anyone at the first century world. He could have appeared right outside the temple of Jupiter and condemned the entirety of the ancient Roman Parthenon. Works are nice, but our hearts and how we treat others is the most important thing that the Father looks like. For God did not condemn the crowd that chanted for his crucifixion and gambled on his clothing. Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of humility. God took on flesh and became man, born of the Virgin Mary in a manger. The Messiah rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, ate with sinners, and died for us all. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Sometimes we need to be reminded that death was defeated by the God of the universe becoming man and allowing humans to humiliate and kill him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, when I first heard that I was given this opportunity to speak at chapel, my first reaction was absolutely not. Like, I can never do that. Maybe I'll do it in my senior year or closer to graduate, um, something like that. But I never thought that this opportunity could come. Um, and in my anxious anxiety, I brought it up to God and I asked him, hey God, there's this opportunity and I was going to speak at chapel. Very rarely do I hear God speaking so clearly to me. And this is what he said. I'm elaborating here. He said, if I, the God of the universe, performed so many miracles in your life since your birth to when you were eight years old, got you out of the car accident, brought you out of video addiction, video game addiction when you're 16, and eventually brought you all the way from China to the United States here at Asbury. If I perform so many miracles in your life and I were to present you as a testimony to my children, to your fellow brothers and sisters, who are you to say no? I was so shocked. I have nothing else to say to God. I was just like, I don't know what to say. You guys remember the time when Job questioned God? Like, why are all these bad things happening to me? God didn't answer his question directly. Instead, he asked Job, when I created the heavens, where were you, Job? When I laid the foundation of the earth, where were you? And in the same way that Job couldn't answer God, I had nothing else to say. So I told God, well, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I will humbly obey. And here I am. Um, today sharing my testimony. For the sake of time, I wouldn't be going through all the details that God has performed all the miracles in my life. Um, I'll quickly run through that and focusing primarily on um, how God has brought me from China to Asbury. So I was born and raised in a Christian family. Um, I was very fortunate. Both of my parents became Christians uh, before I was born. So growing up, I've always knew God. And at the age of six, my parents made the decision of moving from the city where I was born to Guangzhou in pursuit of Christian education. So I've actually never attended public school. Um, and since kindergarten, I've been in this private Christian um, English education. And that's where I learned my English. I've been speaking it for since my whole life. Um, but things are not going so well um, like I, how I wished it to be. At the age of 16, I, even before that, I was introduced to video games, and I got so into it that it became the first thing that I do in the morning and the last thing that I do before I go to bed. I was so addicted to it. Um, and I want to point out that I'm not saying that playing video games is, uh, is a sin, but uh, it's just that's a personal addiction that I struggled with at the age of 16. Deep down inside, I knew that it's not right. I knew that it, I shouldn't do that, but I just couldn't help it. The temptation is so real. And eventually I decided I'm going to make a difference. And I deleted all the games from my computer. It wasn't my first time doing that. I re-downloaded games again. 
Um, but eventually that day, I made that decision again that I would delete all the games, and I did. And God has been helping me through that. God helped me through that. So right after I got over video games, uh, I had this opportunity to go on a mission trip. At the age of 16, I went to Perth, Australia for six months, uh, for three months, and then one and a half months in Madagascar, and one and a half months in the Philippines. I was going with Youth with Mission, and the whole mission trip was for six months. Um, so I went on this mission trip. It's hard for me to summarize the whole mission trip for you, um, but here's what I'll say. I knew Christ before I went on the mission trip, since when I was young. But on that mission trip, I experienced him in a completely different level um, that I couldn't just, couldn't just, it's hard for me to summarize what happened on that trip. So basically, after I came back, I became um, a brand new person. Uh, I got rid of video games, and then I was focusing more on my academics. So my grades actually went from C to an A, um, which is awesome. And then uh, there's one of the missionaries that came and visited my high school, um, and he was the person who introduced me to Asbury. Before I came to Asbury, there were multiple students from my high school that have already came to Asbury, and whenever, during summer or winter break, they will go back and like, tell me about the stories that are happening here. So I've always wanted to come to Asbury. I've always wanted to study in the United States. And I started my first application after my high school graduation. But just as I was about to do that, um, as I was doing it, COVID happened. And COVID put such a pause on my future that I don't know how long it'll take for it to be over. For my whole life, I've been studying in an international school using the English. I can't just go to a Chinese university. I want to study abroad. But COVID put a pause that I don't know how long it'll take for, for me to get over it. For three months during that summer, I had no idea where am I going next. I don't know where God is leading me. And I complained, I cried. I do all that I can, but I just don't know what to do, what's coming next. And eventually my mom told me, hey, it seems like traveling abroad isn't an option. Why don't you make yourself busy and keep taking the online classes and keep doing what you're already doing? And so I, so I said yes, and I did that. I kept on taking online courses, and another opportunity popped up. Um, I actually became the kindergarten teacher uh, after, my, after my high school graduation. So my school goes from K to 12, and after high school, I went back to kindergarten and taught English. I loved it though. So in the morning, I'll be teaching English at a kindergarten, and in the afternoon, I'll be doing my own homework, and at night, I'll be taking online courses. That continued for a whole academic year. When the second year rolls around, I was super pumped to apply for Asbury again. But that's when my family was struggling with lots of um, issues again. So first of all, both of my parents got injured. My dad was riding motorcycle back, from, uh, back to home, and he fell from the motorcycle and broke his collarbone. And then my mom had an old injury of her back reoccurring, so she was hospitalized and she couldn't, um, she couldn't stand up. She was on her bed for a couple of months, and my dad had to stay back home to take care of her. I didn't end up using the money that I saved um, from working at the emissions, not the emissions, <laughs> from working at the kindergarten uh, to, to, for my tuition. Um, instead, I used that money to support my family during that time. Eventually, I came to the conclusion that coming to Asbury is no longer possible for me. And I was sharing with my small group 
um, the small group that I was leading, there was about eight high school students, and I was telling them, guys, I don't think I can come to Asbury. Like, please pray for me, and please pray for my family. I also told the missionary who introduced me to Asbury, letting him know that it was impossible for me to come. In reply, he told me to not give up, keep applying, keep doing what you're already doing, and he also mentioned to check your email. So if you guys haven't learned that lesson by now, do check your emails. <laughs> That's what I did, and apparently three days ago, there was an unread email from Asbury Emissions. Um, I opened it, and then basically it was saying the same thing, to tell me not to give up, keep applying, keep um, doing what I'm already doing. So I did. And that's when miracles starts to happen. Within that same week, two checks were sent to my student account from two anonymous donors. I covered my first year of tuition. As much as I tried to earn as many scholarships as I can, and as much as I worked, it just wasn't enough. But I trusted God, even when I was, when I didn't know what to do. And he provided all that I need, just like that. I didn't know I was coming to Asbury until two weeks before my flight. The last email that I sent to my admission counselor, I asked him, is now a good time that I book my ticket? And he said, yes, go ahead and book your ticket. So I did. When I first stepped foot on this campus, it was the first day when I moved in to my dorm room. And guys, I just wanted to say that as college students, as we're figuring out life, and as we're going through all these troubles, God is faithful. He is faithful in his provision. You know, as Christians, we don't just trust God for no reason. As Christians, where do we base our faith upon? It is through the things that we see, what he has done in our past, whether that's personal experience or what he has documented in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, how God has been faithful to Moses, to Abraham, to David, to Jesus' disciples. By seeing all that, know that he was faithful then. He will be faithful now. Let our eyes be transfixed upon Christ because when we see him, that how he has been faithful in the past, we know that he who holds my past is holding my present, and he will hold my future. And as the worship brand then comes up, um, I'd like to close us in a scripture reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 32. Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be given to you as well. Thank you.